This is a podcast from Cambridge Assessment. For more downloads, visit cambridgeassessment.org.uk. Well, thank you. Thank you. Shall I? Can I stay here? You can stay there. Stay. Thanks very much, uh, Bennett, for that uh, introduction, and thank you for the kind invitation. I was delighted to uh, be invited, firstly because... Bennett is a long-standing friend and a passionate advocate of policy debate in this area, and secondly, because I was able to tell my mother that I'd been accepted by the Cambridge Assessment uh, people um, and therefore fulfilled her life's ambition. Um, What I want to do is to try and help your debate by bringing some of the political context to the issue. Uh, I assure you I won't be partisan, uh, and uh, I'm free now I'm no longer under the government whips to say what I believe personally rather than what the government believes. Um, so my views are well known as being controversial, and I'd ask you to accept them in that uh, context. Um, for many years, uh, I represented uh, an area of Lancashire uh, that became infamous for having segregated communities. Um, mainly uh, communities of white working class people alongside people from Azad Kashmir uh, in Pakistan uh, and from Bangladesh. And you will remember about 11 years ago, May 2001, there were a series of disturbances in a number of northern towns that had a profound effect upon the government's policy, profound effects that are still felt Uh, today. One of the first reactions to those disturbances was, of course, to commission an independent inquiry. It's what we do in Britain when something goes wrong. The most important outcome of that series of inquiries, actually, was the Ritchie Report, uh, undertaken by David Ritchie, the former head of government office in the West Midlands. And over many hours, he and I uh, discussed what had gone wrong and what we could do to put it right. And the main conclusion that we came to was that for decades, in its relationship with non-English-speaking people, and therefore largely the immigrant communities, we had ignored the issue of English language. In fact, we'd done worse than that. With the best of intentions, we as a country had spent huge resource in translation and interpretation services with the good intent that that would help the non-English speaking community to get on in life and to integrate. And we came to the conclusion that perhaps it had had the opposite effect, that actually what had happened is that it had served to perpetuate the differences Uh, and not to help people uh, to integrate and to aspire. The starting point in the debate has to be that, on the whole, immigrant communities are aspirant. Uh, They want to get on. That's why they emigrate. Uh, So you have to put the policy in that context quite rightly. But one also has to recognise that if you take in the starting point, as I do, that uh, English uh, not being your first language is a disadvantage in educational terms, uh, and I won't answer your second question, Bennett, about the impact upon the English language as first uh, children with the first language as English. But if if you uh, take that as a, a red, 
what is the political context that that takes place in? Clearly, the segregation that takes place is a result of social factors which are self-perpetuating. The two policy levers that the government has to most influence this area are housing and education. Housing, of course, is a very difficult problem to crack because no government in a democratic country can force people to live where they don't want to live. I suppose I could make a snide remark that this one's trying to, but that would just be partisan, wouldn't it? Um, You can't use housing policy uh, in in that way. Um, When it comes to education policy, you can. The difficulty, of course, in areas such as mine is that the segregation, if that's the right word, is at its most extreme in the primary schools. Uh, And the Ritchie report identified a number of examples, and we've heard some uh, here today. Uh, For example, in Gloddick Primary School, 129 of the 133 uh, children finishing that school have uh, uh, Urdu as their first language. When we scratch deeper into this issue... Uh, we found that it is very difficult for elected politicians to even address uh, the subject. Any politician who addresses the issue of ethnicity and culture and segregation is immediately subject to headlines attacking him or her from the left and from the right. And I found the most difficult task as immigration minister was, as it were, to get permission from the body politic to even talk about the issues. Such was the legacy that we had in this country. I think we've got through that now. Uh, I think that uh, there is a freer debate. But we come to the conclusion very quickly um, that the issue of culture uh, is the issue that underpins uh, this debate. If one asks uh, the parents of a child who speaks Bangla or who speaks Urdu why it is that they want them to do that, the answer is obvious at a very practical level. I remember uh, being told very forcibly that the children couldn't speak to their grandparents unless they could speak the mother tongue. Um, They couldn't understand their heritage. uh, And I see nothing wrong whatsoever, as the Richard Report concluded, in that desire. But my point is that that does perpetuate the problem, the problem for those children in achieving their educational uh, attainment. There are other cultural factors at play. Uh, One, particularly for the uh, 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 Kashmiri Muslim community, is the level of formal education that takes place in madrasas. Typically, my constituents would study for two hours for each working day after they'd finished school. Uh, That had a profound effect upon them, uh, not just because they were tired out when they turned up to school the next day, uh, but because it meant that the informal educational sector uh, was having a profound effect on them, almost in some cases as much, in some cases greater than the the school itself. There are very difficult issues around this area as to Um, what the language is that has been spoken. The majority of Pakistanis in the Pennine area in this country, and I think it's truly in in your part of the world, are actually not Pakistanis. They're Kashmiris. And when you speak to a Kashmiri and describe them as a Pakistani, it's a bit like telling an Irishman that he's an Englishman. They don't go down very well. 
perpetuated by the issue that the first language of the Kashmiris is Pahari. It's a spoken language, it's not a written language. The spoken, uh, uh, the written language for that population is actually Urdu. So I found that my local authority was spending upwards of £600,000 a year translating English into Urdu to try to access services for a group of people whose first language was Pahari. It would be a bit like going into an Irish bar in New York, finding a Catholic and speaking a Catholic Irish person and speaking to them in Latin. My point is that we perpetuate the problems because of our lack of cultural awareness as to the background of those uh, of those uh, students. I don't believe that this is incidentally an issue that is isolated to the South Asian population. You may be aware that there is currently a a general election taking place in France to elect the National Assembly. You're most likely not aware that one of the constituencies that is being elected is those of the French people who live in Britain. There are 450,000 of them in uh, London, I'm told. 100,000 people registered to vote. There will be a Member of Parliament for the National Assembly for Britain. Uh, I'm not quite sure what the Daily Mail is going to make of that, but there you go. <laughs> the, the most contentious issue in that election that's taking place now is the provision of French for their children in English schools. There are consequences of these problems. Uh, the majority of secondary schools... Which you only have one minute yeah, I, to I, do. I, I, I've been well tutored by, uh, by the, uh, the Speaker in the House, and the... Uh, uh, the gavel is about to come down. The, the conclusion that I draw is that we need to make a number of radical changes to policy which recognise that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. I believe with good intent we've had a policy of integration that hasn't worked and it is in fact served to segregate, not to integrate. And that we must put the children first and therefore we must take a number of policy measures, such as, for example, if a secondary school child is learning a, a, a modern language, whereas my white constitu- English constituents would be learning English, uh, learning French or Spanish, uh, my Kashmiri kids would be learning uh, Urdu. Uh, I think that is not the right way to do things. So I think we need some controversial changes, and that's why I was delighted to see that Cambridge assessment were... Uh, discussing uh, this problem and if I can help your debate from the policy point of view I I hope I have done so. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you very much Phil. This is a podcast from Cambridge Assessment. For more downloads visit cambridgeassessment.org.uk